Hey, this is Jeff. Before we get going, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show and put out a request for your support. Do you like the show? Do you want to see it grow and improve? If so, please give a thought to supporting us. Hop online and search for the Deep in Japan podcast at patreon.com and make a pledge today. I suggest pledging a dollar a month. It might seem like a lot, but for less than the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can help keep this show alive and growing. Producing a podcast isn't cheap or easy. Along with all the equipment and hosting fees, I put in hundreds of hours a month researching, interviewing, recording, and editing sound. Support the show, and I promise to keep giving it my all, bringing you ever more interesting and insightful interviews at the highest quality I can provide. Hop online at patreon.com. That's www.patreon.com. And make a pledge today. Thank you. Today on the show, we've got James, translator, founder of ALTinsider.com, and founder and host of the ALT Insider podcast. Welcome to the show, James. Hey, nice to be here. In preparation for this interview, I listened to a lot of your podcasts and tooled around on your site, and I gotta say, I really like what you're doing. Oh, thank you very much. You've got stuff for not only ALTs, but you know, people that want to get out of being an ALT, surprisingly. I started trying to think, make it only for ALTs, but then I realized, you know, you can only talk about only ALT stuff for so long, so <laughs> had, to, had to branch out. <laughs> that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you tonight, which is like, you've got 70 episodes now. Is there ever going to be a point where you're like, it's all in there? <laughs> Anything you need to know about being an ALT in Japan, it's in there. You'll I'd, find it. Yeah, I thought like, you know, maybe a year in, I might get to that point. Like, you know, there's only so many things you can say, but you'll be surprised that, you know, you still get questions from people that are like, you know, I never thought about that, or I never thought about answering that question, I never thought about that question. And when you, I've kind of, I don't remember exactly what it was like to be a beginning LT, especially because it's been a long time for me. Like, you know, it was eight, seven years ago now. So I don't remember all the questions I had at that time. So it's, you know, sometimes I get questions from people, and that's the best way to get kind of the kind of subjects for podcasts is from questions from people because, you know, it's good to get, to kind of remember those times when you were a beginner too. Definitely. Well, I mean, not only that, I would say, as somebody who listens to a lot of podcasts, like one, one of the shows that, I'm an avid listener to is uh, what is it the Paleo Solution podcast by Rob Wolf and he he's just like we've covered this before but like people still want to know they're still writing in they have the same questions it's perennial mm-hmm. um, and so yeah you can probably recycle a lot hit it from different angles and then of course new questions come out mm-hmm. but um before we get into that before we get into like what you're doing uh, on your website and on your podcast can you talk a little bit about your background. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, background, how far do you want me to go? I guess I, you know, I, came, I went to college so, for business. <laughs> where were you born? <laughs> I was born in Maryland, United States. Okay. And, uh, you know, I just had a normal, normal growing up, went to college and actually, uh, kind of went to college, not, not away from home. I still lived at home cause my college is so close, which was a blessing and curse, I guess. Blessing being cheaper, curse being I can't party as much. Um, and so, you know, after I finished college, I was kind of like, what am I going to do now? You know, I could, I could get a job and stuff. I had a degree in business, but I kind of didn't get that feeling of, you know, 
I guess I, I didn't get the feeling of I had a good full college experience of living away from home, you know, the party kind of. Did you part- want one? I guess I wanted one. I guess that's, that's the. <laughs> that was robbed. God that's damn the moral it. of the story. So <laughs> I saw this ad about, you know, going to Japan and I had a lot, I had a lot of college friends that were Japanese and they said, you should go to Japan. You should go to Japan. But I, it was always just a joke, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, I'll go there. I like Nintendo. Cool. Were these ex- like international students? No, just like uh, just normal, you know, Japanese Americans, like, you know, Japanese. Oh, okay. Ameri- you know, so, but. And I thought, you know, I saw an ad for teaching in Japan, and it was like, the first time I saw it, I was like, whatever. And then I saw another one or something, and somehow I guess I was searching for Japan stuff because so Google kept shooting me the ads, you know. <laughs> and I guess I eventually <laughs> got to say, like, well, why don't I just try it? And that, and that was that. And I came to Japan, you know, eight years ago now. And at first, you were doing Eikaiwa, is that right? Yeah, I mean, first I started with Eikaiwa just, just because that's the ad I clicked, I think. I mean, there was, no, there was no thinking behind it. I don't think I knew what an ALT was at that time. I wasn't a big, I didn't research enough. I, I can say that. I, I suppose we should def- define terms. I mean, I wonder actually how many of my listeners even know what Eikaiwa and ALT mean. That's true. Eikaiwa is like, you know, conversation t- teacher, a conversation teacher of English, usually private businesses. Mm-hmm. And ALT is assistant language teacher where you... Usually, of course, there's a lot of different situations, but usually you teach in public schools and you help the English teachers there teach English. Right. Um, you said you did Eikaiwa, that is English Conversation Corporate Classes, yep. for six months before you were just like, fuck this, I'm done, I can't do this. Yeah, just for me, it was just everything was about selling. And I guess they, they told me that up front, so I'm not blaming them at all, but I thought like, well, I'll be in Japan, it's fine, I can deal with the sales side of stuff. But it was just like endless pressure. And, and Geos was about to go bankrupt, so I can understand now why they were pressing pretty hard because mm-hmm. uh, they went bankrupt the year after I left. But it was just too much for me. I couldn't enjoy anything. My students weren't, weren't they loved my classes, but after class I had to hound them for contracts and stuff. And like, and then of course I stopped doing that because like, I don't want to just put a burden on my students after the class they worry about their next contract and stuff. Like I was, had to be forced to get the next contract. I guess I should say, AKI was our yearly contracts usually. And you know, you're, if you have a year long contract, of course the business gets money for that whole year. So it's pretty important to keep getting new contracts. So even as a business major, you weren't like, yes, I finally get to sell shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> I wasn't seeing enough money for that, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't getting I, a piece. I should say that you are a stronger man than I am. I, yeah. I did four months of Eikaiwa, and I couldn't take it, and I got out. What was your What was your reason? If I can switch, flip the switch here. What was it, your reason it was, for it? Was the, it was the exact same thing as there yours. You go. I should say, though, that I started off as an ALT, a Sister City Friendship Ambassador slash ALT. And so I had I had the cush set up right from the beginning. Okay. And then we're jumping ahead, but I read that you kind of, after three years, you kind of got burnt out and you were like, well, if I can't. If I can't turn this into having fun, I'm going to get out of it and I'm going to go yeah. home, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, of course, many people experience that. I experienced that. And um, I didn't see a way to make it fun. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I think I'm going to go back to the United States. And I went I went back to the United States, um, took a breather, and then somehow I got sucked back into it. <laughs> <laughs> you got came back to the island? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I was doing – I came back as an, as an Akaiwa teacher – and yeah, exactly like you said, like the them pushing you to sell more. I wasn't at Geos. I was at uh, Neon, as I like to call it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was constantly move these CDs, move these books, take the last five minutes of, of your class and turn it into a commercial. And yeah. it just, it really bothered me. And that, that wasn't the only thing that bothered me. Another thing that bothered me was the standard of living that I had enjoyed prior to that 
was suddenly ripped out from under me. Uh, okay. um, my salary was much lower than it was when I was an ALT. Um, when I was an ALT, I was in the countryside and housing was cheap. Uh, my car was free. Everything was either subsidized or free. And I had all this extra cash flow just to, so it was great. I could travel around. I could do whatever I wanted to. I thought, wow, I'm going to be in the city. This is going to be fun. And yet I didn't have any free time because I was, they work you like a dog, eh? Mm. And I didn't have any money. And so I just felt like, wow, this is, this is about as shitty as it gets. Mm. <laughs> and I decided after four months, I'm done. I'm out of this. And I got out. Yeah, I guess we should say, though, like for people that might want to come to Japan in the future, every situation is different. And there's not every Aikawa situation is like that. I mean, just important to research the company you're going, for, you're going to work for and just figure out if it's something you might want to do. Just with the, there is a risk that might happen, you know. I think that, um, yeah, there are definitely good positions as well. Like I've heard, I've heard of people that do kindergarten as, mm -hmm. as like through an Aikawa school. And they, I've heard that they get a better salary. It's a lot more fun and it can be a lot more rewarding. Um, and each location is different, each location, each company. And so, yeah, I'm not making a blanket statement. I'm not going to say that all Aikawa sucks mm -hmm. that that certainly isn't true it was just my experience my yeah. speci unique experience and i didn't like it and so i got out yeah i guess well my, it was my experience too <laughs> so <laughs> well let's move forward from there you you quit that mm -hmm. and but you didn't leave japan you were no. like I, this this sucks but i want to i want to continue living in japan yeah i thought i quit with like the i had no safety net. i said okay i'm just gonna quit and I didn't, you know, I didn't, obviously didn't tell anyone. I, I didn't tell my friends or family or, because I didn't want them to think like, wow, he's, he's quitting already, you know. I didn't want to quit on myself either, you know. I think it's up to, I, I came to Japan to have fun, so I want to, you know, at least give it a good try to find a place where I can do that. So I just got lucky and found an advertisement on Gaijinpot about ALT position in my, in my city. And I went for the interview and I got that. And I was just, I guess it was just lucky. Two weeks, I was unemployed for like less than a week, I think. And So you quit before you found a new job. Yeah, that, that, I don't recommend doing that. But yeah, As a business <laughs> major, what was your plan here? I, did, I guess because I, just, you know, at some point you got to like, I think if I didn't do it though, I, if I was waited till I had a backup plan, I wouldn't took action. So that was what I needed to do to, to take action. You know, and sometimes mm -hmm. you got to do those kind of things. Like if this is what it takes to make you do something, then you just got to do it. Even if it's scary or stupid, like it was for me. Well, I'm glad it worked out for you. Yeah. Um, then again, you had a one-year visa already in place, so you, mm. you know you had some time there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you became an ALT, which is an assistant language teacher in the public uh, school system. Mm -hmm. Were you a junior high school ALT or an elementary yeah, I, school? I was mixed around like most people are. I think I had one junior high school and like four or five elementary schools, so it was pretty well spread out. But uh, yeah, it was like a usual situation pretty much. But usually, people are mixed around. Okay, and then. Tell us what happened. I mean, three years in within three years, you said you got burnt out. How did that come about? Like, what? I guess like for me, like the first first year was like, wow, this is this is. I wish I could always do this. Why I wish I came to Japan like this because you know, it's just hanging out with students is fun. I was learning Japanese a lot better because you know, you talk, students talk to you. You know, you're supposed to only talk English. You know, but there's plenty right. of situations to talk to students outside of the class and stuff. And I was having a lot of fun. I mean, I just I just I loved it then. And Japan was fun again. I was just, woo, this is like the honeymoon period. It came back again, you know. It was, mm -hmm. a, you know, and, but after time, over time, I was in the same schools for three years and doing the same stuff. Every year kind of gets to be a little bit of the same. You know, you, you always meet cool students. You always meet students that you think you'll never forget. And every graduation is sad. But after three years of going through all those periods, I was kind of like, well, I kind of got used to the situation now. And I kind of 
the my, my return my my fun return level was going down and down and down a little bit. So then I kind of like like I figured I had to make another. Ch- I thought I had to make another change, kind of. And you say that you kind of reprioritized. You decided that I'm going to make having fun priority number one, and then you kind of restructured your yeah, life. I guess yeah. I think that's like this like how I say I did it. Like I I think like. I said, like, I came to Japan to have fun, right? Everyone wants to, I mean, everyone wants to have fun on their whole, their life, you know? Like, and mm-hmm. I was like, if I can make, if I, if I just think of everything, how can I make my class as fun as possible? And then I think I would have more fun too. So that's what I kind of, I didn't worry about like hitting all the grammar points I was supposed to hit. I mean, even though I did mostly, but I kind of just worried about if the students are having fun and I was having fun and the, the teacher I was working with was having fun, then I said, that's a successful class and that's a successful day even like so i kept mm-hmm. thinking about it like that and i f- learned that the more i did that the more fun i was having and if you're having fun at work you know it makes your whole life easier you know like everything becomes more fun and that kind of gave me a new kind of look on being an alt and it wasn't just doing the same thing over and over again i was like how can i have make this class more fun how can i you know have more fun with my jt how can how can i make my jt have more fun in my class which is kind of like something i never thought about before but i said i want to make sure my jt has fun this class you know and thinking things mm-hmm. like that really made me be a better teacher and just have more fun which is the ultimate goal you know for that was at that time and it really worked out for me luckily so i kept i kept being alt for four more years after that i believe four I, my math's right four three or four years after that so altogether, then seven years as an ALT, is that right? Six, six or seven, yeah, something, something okay. around there, yeah. And after that, the next phase in your life was you started doing translation, and that's when you opened uh, ALTinsider.com, is that right? Yeah, so I guess like during the last year of being an ALT, I kind of started doing translation stuff on the side too. I, I was always pretty hardcore in learning Japanese when I first got to Japan, and the whole kind of this whole period I was learning Japanese pretty hardcore, serious about it, like. Um, so I got kind of, let me try my hand at translation. You know, it's slow going in the beginning, like for anybody, if you want to try to do that, it's going to be slow in the beginning, finding clients that want to hire you, you know, finding companies that want to work with you. But then it started building up people, building up companies that were okay with me. And I got d- d- turned down many, many times and, you know, just know that's going to happen if you're trying to do that. But eventually I got to make a little bit of side money and then I got to the point where, well, maybe I can live off this money. And then I, then I kind of, again, like I said before, like I had to take a, the next step to really make it happen, you know, make something happen. I quit the LT job to, to say like, okay, I'm going to do this full time now. So that's when I said, okay, I'm not going to be on LT anymore. I'm just on constantly on translation. And a little bit before that, I, I started LT and I guess I should say too, but that kind of okay. was the, the catalyst for that. I just, I had to make something happen. So I quit being LT and just constantly on translation and LT and Are you still doing translation? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's still my main income source for sure. What's your level of Japanese? Did you pass N one of the JLPT? N one, as I I'm going through I'm going through the trek on my website every every couple months or so I put an update in. But um, my goal is to pay, to take N one this year. Um, I didn't when I started the the, the quest for N one. I didn't know that I might have a kid on the way. So that kind of sure. it's, it's turned out way harder than I thought. Um, so you're still pursuing N one. I'm still pursuing N one for sure. So am I. <laughs> Will I pass N one? That's that's a, that's a different story. It's a but monster. <laughs> I'm gonna take it no matter what. I said I promised everyone on my website I take it no matter what. It, I'll show the score no matter what. If it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing. But <laughs> I'm gonna do my best. I have N two, but you know, <laughs> I'll do my best. I kind of um, breezed through N two. I, I didn't really find it that challenging. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, N one, I'll just uh, you know I'll read a grammar book and then I'll bust it out. Yeah, <laughs> it did, did, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I failed, and then I kind of took a hiatus, 
And then I was like, well, I should, I should apply again. And I thought, well, if I apply, it'll just kind of through osmosis, I'll probably pick up this or that. I reviewed the grammar book, took it again, failed again. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I, I, I realized my weak spot is kanji. Uh, okay. So for the past year, year and a half, I've been hitting the books pretty hard, just doing kanji, taking kanji kente, the, the test that Japanese people take you know, that's cool. to, yeah, to that's prove cool. their kanji skills. And I found that that has really helped me out a lot. Um, that's cool. I was actually, that was kind of my strongest point. Kanji was because I started with the uh, um, the kanji book, Remembering the Kanji. I'm not sure you, if you ever heard of that book. Heisig? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You did that method? I did that method and it worked. And it That's, worked. It, kanji is by far my strongest point, not even close because of that book. Seriously. I, and I, I, I took the whole like, I'll do this first before I learn any grammar in Japanese. And, I, and I, it really worked for me. I recommend that for everybody. The, the Heisig method, uh, isn't yeah, it? We should talk about that, yeah. Like, like people like, either love it or they hate it. Yeah, it depends on what kind of person you are. Like you have to, you have to be ready to give up three months of anything else, learning any other Japanese. I mean, you can still listen to Japanese TV, listen to Japanese radio. That's that's always good to listen. But you got to give up on learning grammar for three months because you want to you want to master these two thousand meanings of kanji only, not even readings. Just yeah, the there's meanings. no readings, and so that's why I thought that like this probably would be rather impractical as learning tool because yes, even if you remember the shape of the kanji and you mm. remember the meaning connected with the kanji, you're not going to be able to read it if you don't remember the reading. And then, you know, there's usually two, but sometimes more. Yeah. But actually, so how does that work out? Like once you memorize the physical shape of the kanji plus the meaning, at what point do you then get into the meaning or sorry, the reading as well? Well, the, for, for, for me, like even if like still helping me today is when I get a, something I have to translate, there's some kanji that I, you know, I just don't know. Compounds, I don't know, you know. And that, that comes out pretty often when you're doing, like, you know, science documents or whatever. I've still, I mean, obviously, every translator I think out there, even the highest level, still have to have a dictionary pretty close to them, you know. But for me, I can kind of skim a document and see, like, those two kanji together. I know that meaning. I know that meaning. I know what that word means, even if I can't read it at all, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't read it. Re- I, okay, I know what that one means. I know what they're talking about here. Of course, I have to check it to make sure I, I was right on that guess. But I can pretty much get close to the meaning before because I know the Hasig the Hasig method I did. And would you just, say then that conversation is your your weak point in the game? You uh, like I would say probably listening is probably my weak point. Um lis, lis, yeah, listening because I've studied cuz you know when you're in translation you're just books 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 all the time, you know. Yeah. And I think my kind of brain waves of learning kind of skewed towards the book visual. side of things. Yeah, visual things. So I can, you know, kanji are good, my reading's good, but my listening is probably my weakest point if I had to say one for sure. God, we are completely opposite. I, <laughs> yeah. I came into the language. It was, yeah, I did a year in Tokyo at Wasada, like the international school, and I was, uh, you know, forced to study and take tests with kanji and stuff like that and grammar. But uh, I would say that I didn't do so well. On yeah. <laughs> like what I really put my efforts into was meeting people, making friendships, and conversing in Japanese. And so <laughs> right from the start, I was like all conversation, all listening. And even when I became an ALT in the countryside, because the the people that worked at the Board of Education seemed to like really want to like get to know me, we were going out and drinking a lot. Yeah. And so there was a lot of, quote unquote, communication going on. Yeah. Uh, not good <laughs> for the gut, but um, yeah, I mean, as long as you're not hitting it too hard, you can learn a lot by going out, uh, eating some wonderful meals and drinking with Japanese people. And actually, there's no better way for Japanese people to open up and get close to you than when they're drinking. So yeah. for I think, me, yeah, it, was, it was great. Opposite. 
Exact opposite for me. Yeah, I, I, when I first got to Japan, I was not very social at all. I mean, I was social with some students sometimes, but especially when I started being LT there, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not go out. I'm gonna throw the party too much. I'm gonna study Japanese as hard as I can until I get it perfect, and then I can go out and have fun. And I went that route, which is not the not the correct route to do, by the way. But that's kind of the way I did it. Well, it I paid went, off. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, I, I you're a translator so, now, so that I mean, I guess come so, on. But the hermit, hermit lifestyle isn't good. I think you got to find a balance between our two our two methods there. So, but you're not actually, even though you do ALT Insider, the the podcast, the blog, the website, you're not actually teaching anymore. Is that right? No, yeah, no, I don't, I don't teach anymore. Um, Was that I just do, like you're like, yes, I'm out, <laughs> or do you okay, miss it? Being honest, I, I, I was like that. Okay, I'm gonna be. I don't like getting up in the morning. I don't have to get up. I'm a total freelancer now, so I, I choose when I wake up and stuff. Of course, when you first start that, it feels good. You know, wow. I'm just gonna I'm translate good. what you're saying. So you wear your underwear all day and you never go out and you only take showers once a week. I'm nude right now, so. But <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, of course it was. It was uh, that feeling came, but then of course the uh, you know a, few, a month or so after that fun wears out, you realize I still have to make money for my family. I have still to, have to take a shower. Damn I have it! To, yeah, I have to work hard. I have to, <laughs> and it, 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 the job feeling sets in again. You know, so now I'm. I, when I first started being freelancer, 100, percent I wasn't too good on that aspect of it. I think I kind of got too lax, and now I kind of am in a better place now. I treat it very business-like. I know what I have to do, and I get it done, and still take a shower once in a while. <laughs> are you, are you? How many years into uh, translation are you now? I think, t- well, counting the years when I was in ALT as well, about three years. Yeah. And have you? Was there was? I suppose there was probably a honeymoon phase. There's a honeymoon phase to everything. Yeah, Where yeah. are you? With that now, how do you feel um, about translating? Is this a career path for you? Are you gonna? Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. I think it's good because it gives me money to live, and like I can do it. I think I have noticed my Japanese level. It might sound interesting or strange, but it's definitely. I think my Japanese level is kind of stalled now because I'm doing the same. I'm kind of like I have a few companies that I work with mainly, so I'm kind of like I, it's like permalance is one word I've heard it said. The cool N word. I kind of work with these companies mainly, so like I do the same kind of stuff over and over again. So like I'm kind of like in kind of not what's it called? Uh, you're you're you know, in your comfort zone. Auto drive, auto uh, not auto drive. I forgot the word. Uh, whatever. Autopilot. Yeah, autopilot. That's yeah, it. you're you've you've you're in your comfort zone. Yeah. So let's. Anytime you reach a comfort zone in your Japanese ability, it's so easy to stay there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm doing now. So I got to fight out. I got to work out of it. If I didn't have altinsider.com though, I would be going crazy. I think, but I do have that outlet for to do other things. So that I'm glad I have that. You know. I I, I was the same. As soon as I became sort of conversationally fluent. I was like, oh, I'm good, and I just kind of put the books down. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's all there was always a part of me that thought, I'm not, I'm not a lifer. I'm probably going to head back to the United States at some point. I missed, and currently do miss certain aspects of life in the United States. Sure, Red Lobster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, and so I think there, there's this. There's this little guy inside of you that's like, you don't have to study every day. Take a holiday, man. You've, you're good. You got mm-hmm. this. You can talk to anybody you need to talk to, and um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think that's good personally, especially if you're going to be living in Japan your whole life. And so I've I've been hitting the books pretty hard again for the last year and a half, and it's it's great to feel improvements. Yeah, you. I I got to get on that since I've I've had last year with the new baby. I mean. I've been a mess with studying. Just it hasn't happened. And you always blame something like, well, the baby takes a lot of time, but that's really just excuses. And I think I need to find that thing, like I said before, that makes me take actions. I'm not sure where that can be, but maybe it's a, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's I, don't, I don't know what it can be, but I got to have something that makes me do it because right now I'm not, I'm just not studying. I don't know. 
you seem like a, an incredibly busy, prolific guy. You've got 70 podcasts under your belt. Um, you've got the ALT Insider website and blog, which is, I mean, you're, you're always posting stuff on there. Um, well, you've got a kid, you've got a life. You, you must be incredibly busy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I, I like to keep, I like to keep busy most. I like to keep growing things. I want, I want LT Insider to be as, you know, as successful as it can be, help as many people as it can be. That keeps me busy and happy, but I still have time for what, you know, hang out with, I mean, it's great living at home. I can hang out with my, my son as much as I want, you know, and that's, that's really why I want to keep doing this as, as long as I can, you know, freelance stuff as long as I can. So you are married to a Japanese national, is that right? Yes, I am. And so you have a so-called hafu child, is that right? <laughs> yes, I am. That's what that's what we call them, hafu. No. That's what, that's what, you know, I was, this is going to, I mean, it sounds so weird, I suppose, to somebody who doesn't live in Japan, but it's it's the term. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was at the, I've been going to the pool almost nonstop since summer vacation started. And I, I took my daughter to the pool yesterday and we're just swimming around. And then next to us is this, is this girl. And she's like, hey, what's up? In English. And we just were like, whoa. And she's like, I'm a hafu. <laughs> oh my God. She just came out with it. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like the term, but, um, I mean, I, there's some people who will say that it's it's discriminatory. I don't get that feeling. I don't yeah, think either. that anybody's being discriminatory when they use the term. It's just like, how do you refer to somebody who's different in, in Japan? There's all kinds of different people in Japan. And I think they're pretty popular, actually, judging from all the hafu uh, celebrities on TV these days. It's the same thing with the, the gaijin term. You know, it's just a wait. I think if I, I always say, like, if I'm walking in Middle Earth and I see Frodo, I'm going to say, oh, there's a hobbit, you know. You know, I was just I was just thinking about that today. Like, there are people that take offense to the term gaijin. They're like, don't call me gaijin, call me gaikokujin. But gaikokujin doesn't roll off the fucking tongue. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly difficult to say that all the time. Gaikokujin, gaikokujin. Well, you Whereas know if you just is, say gaijin, yeah, it's, everybody yeah. knows that. Even people outside of Japan know that term. And you know and how Japanese is. It's all about making your mouth, the, all the, the kind of... The abbreviations are to make your mouth move as little as possible. So, I mean, it just exactly. makes sense. You know? If your mouth is not moving when you're speaking Japanese, you're probably fluent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to work on that. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, if you don't mind, um, you know, your home life. Like, you know, what, what's yeah. it like being married to, to somebody who's Japanese? What's it like having a little kid running around, a little you running around? <laughs> Can you talk about which prefecture you're in and like yeah, what I'm, you do I'm, there? I'm in Fukuoka. We're just um, usually my, let's go through, let's go through a normal day. Oh, like you're way down ago. south. Yeah, I'm, I'm way down here. It's hot. I got a fan right in my face right now. It's incredibly hot. It's, it's basically like a <laughs> tropical country down there. It's, it's pretty hot some days. I want to shoot myself some days, but it's fine. We're, we're fighting through it. Um, yeah, but usually, let's go through like two days ago. Let's go through a day. I, uh, I usually have in the morning, kid wakes up maybe six or so. It's, 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 it's tough, but we get through it. And I usually go for a walk <laughs> with him, maybe half an hour walk. He goes down for a nap. How old is I, your boy? He's one year old right now. One year to one month or so. Oh, that's that sweet spot. Sweet spot of? I don't know, kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's fine. We go for a walk, then he comes back. I'll do a little work in the morning for an hour or two, check emails and stuff like that. And I usually make afternoon time. Like my wife takes the kid for the whole like one to seven period. That's my hardcore work period. Like don't don't disturb daddy. Period. Is that hard? Because like working <laughs> at home, I would think that'd be like one of the hardest things. Like you constantly feel obligated to you know to do. Family stuff. Yeah, it is true. That is true. I, I mean, it's not as easy as like, all right, don't, you know, of course, if I hear, you know, my wife needs help, I see her struggling, I want to go help with something. And if I see the, the, the you know, my son falls down right in front of me, I got to go, you know, <laughs> make sure he's okay. But actually, we just, it, it's a new uh, thing we just started. So once a week, we do something called away day. So I go to an internet cafe for the whole day. 
maybe I think usually the plan is uh, 12 hours. And that's like my hardcore, any work I have to do in ALT Insider, I get that done, editing done, all that stuff, all the translation stuff I have to do. I just clean my slate of all the work I have to do. And then I come home right in time for dinner. And that kind of was really, we just started maybe a month ago. It's really working, helping out a lot to make sure, you know, I have enough time to do everything. And also my wife gets some time away from me. Everyone wants that. And, you know, it just, it makes everything work a lot smoother. <laughs> You're a humble man. <laughs> yeah. That's an incredibly long, like, block of time, though, to do, to do work. I suppose you have to take breaks and, you know, whatever. Oh, of course. They got a lot of great magazines there, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I think I do. <laughs> no comment? <laughs> Let's just leave, I'll leave it at there. <laughs> I've actually never gotten into dirty magazines in my life, whether it was being in the United States or whether it would be in Japan. But if, if you're the kind of person out there who is into dirty magazines, Japan is definitely the country for you. Yeah, somehow there is still dirty magazines. That's the first surprising thing. <laughs> I was just... <laughs> there's a whole section of them. Yeah, like, it's hard to miss. Like, you, you want to go in and get yourself a bottle of tea. So you go into 7-Eleven or whatever, and you're walking toward the back where all the refrigerators are. And you have to walk by all the, the smut magazines. Have to is, a, is an interesting word you said there. <laughs> I consider it a privilege. It's, they always make it. <laughs> it is a privilege. <laughs> but it's always like right by the window. And so if, you, if you're looking for the shortest distance to the drinks, it's walking by the smut magazines. I wanna, if so. someone has information on the sales numbers for those, I wouldn't send it to me, please. James at ALTNsider.com. Because I can, they cannot sell any, can they? How? They're even, they're shut, they're, they're, there's rips, they're like uh, zips shut too. So you can't even read them. You have to buy it. That's Who's right. going to buy a dirty magazine from 7-Eleven? I think, I, it's, I think they're supporting the truckers who have to, you know how oh, they park their yeah, trucks yeah. at night. Have you ever driven in Japan, like in the countryside or wherever past like, you know, 12 or whatever? It's just trucks. Yeah, that's They're true. just bombing down the highway. And then they eventually, they park somewhere, usually at a convenience store. And I imagine they're buying a titty mag, one of those bento meals, and maybe a couple beers. And they just, you know, slam their beers, eat their meal. Have a so, wank and go to. That's what I'm guessing. And go it sounds to bed like my. It sounds sounds like cab. my away day right there. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you're in the public, so I don't know. Like, where, it's all about the booze. We, the booze, man. The booze. Oh man. <laughs> I'm just kidding, by the way. Let's. let's, let's I, I imagine that you are. But <laughs> there was. I had a story. Oh yeah. This is actually now that I mean, since we're on the the topic of titty mags, um, I'm gonna have a show coming up uh, soon in which I interview some Mormons. And uh, I sat down with them for like five hours, and we Mormon missionaries, that is, and we, we wow. just talked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we took a break, and then during the break, we were like munching on snacks and talking, and um, they were telling me this this story about the barber shop and how they couldn't get the haircut that they wanted, and it reminded me of this this horror story that I had when I first came to Japan and I was living in Tokyo as um, a homestay student. Mm-hmm. I kind of found a place close by my house that was only a thousand yen about 10 bucks and i thought oh that's that's good because I'd, I'd heard of people paying 60 70 80 dollars for haircuts in tokyo and so i this was maybe in like my first few weeks in japan it was my first haircut in japan and i went into this place and there was kind of like a waiting area in front where you sit down and you wait until you know they call your name or whatever and i noticed that there's a magazine rack and you know manga and there were dirty mags there, and um, it was <laughs> pretty hard not to notice them because there were so many of them. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really interested in that at all, but I was interested in what the people were choosing to read from the rack. So I'm like looking around me, seeing like what people are interested in. And this father comes in with his five-year-old, and 
he grabs something off the shelf, I think it was a manga, and sits down and starts reading. And the five-year-old, or maybe she was six, I don't know, about, about five, starts rifling through these magazines, literally like titty mags, yeah. to find like <laughs> Hello Kitty or whatnot. And my, my brain was just melting. The, the ethical core of my being was just so shocked. Yeah, yeah it's not a scene we'll see in America very much. I mean, I, I was trying to find those magazines when I was like 10, but not five. Well, she, uh, you know, to her credit, she just passed right over them as though they didn't exist. And he was just in another world. He was like, <laughs> I'm in my manga. I don't care what my daughter does now. I'm sitting down. She can do whatever <laughs> she wants. And she just, you know, rifled through there until she found like a Hello Kitty thing or whatnot. And then sat down and started reading that. But it, it basically was like a bombshell in my head. And I was like, oh, my God, this, this country is so out of it. Like, you know. Everybody has their WTF Japan moment where they're like, yeah, yeah. And for me, that was that was a big one. Um, <laughs> I guess I think it's one thing different though. If it's always there, you kind of don't think it's something interesting. It's, you don't think it's like, oh, well, these magazines are here, but they're not for me. And just people just pass right over them, you know? Yeah. Well, um, the group of students that I was with from Oregon that did the year in Tokyo as homestay students, they were kind of interested in it, and so they would buy a couple mags here and there, and they were looking for, uh, what was it? They were looking for. Something sold in vending machines, <laughs> like panties or something. They were looking for like the holy, the holy grail. Oh of yeah, vending the panty, machines. the panty, uh, the the panty. Uh, what is it called? It, I want to say it was like machines. used panties, used oh, panty yeah. vending. I don't even know. Um, we're getting way off topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we started talking about how we were we talking about my my daily my my daily routine. I guess yeah, we finished that. Okay. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what it's like to be married to. The Japanese national. I mean, don't make generalizations. Obviously, every everybody's different. But like, yeah. how have you found it? Well, I mean, it's it's like married to a person. I guess I don't. I mean, I never, <laughs> I never expected anything different. I guess. I guess I was lucky like that. It just seems like I'm married to someone that we love each other, and there's no real problems. You know, you know, it's fine. I guess I what I was looking for was, does she speak English? When you communicate, how do you communicate? Oh yeah, this is kind of I. I one of my rules. I was really hardcore in learning Japanese, right? So I said, I'm never gonna marry someone that can speak English. That was my one kind of hardcore rule. You know. You know, I want to get my Japanese up and keep it to the level. Every day we have to speak Japanese, what we're going to do, you know? Unfortunately, you know... Most of the girls that, like, want to date foreigners tend to be the sort of English gold diggers, the women that are looking for somebody as an English partner slash... Plus partner, you, you'll find that. So I, w- I was like, you know, I've met a lot of girls like that. Okay, that I, I'm just not cool. It's fine. It would be, but I'm not interested in marrying someone like that. But unfortunately, the heart wants what the heart wants, and I actually met my wife and she at first we, st- we sp- spoke only Japanese I didn't know she could speak English for a long time she hid and, it from you she knew your rules <laughs> she knew my rules and stuff but then <laughs> la- then you know fell in love and she speaks English good well now so now we kind of speak a mix a mix I mean it's you know when someone when one side gets angry the n- native tongue comes out a little quickly but <laughs> uh, you have know. you developed a pigeon yet between the two of you no uh, what pigeon P- meaning pigeon English like you know like a, like you know oh definitely uh, oh that we have a lot of words that don't exist in English or Japanese <laughs> <laughs> I can't say them now but they they, they exist <laughs> I think I started off just speaking all Japanese with with my wife and then because I know that she or maybe because I'm lazy I just nowadays I just speak English and then she speaks Japanese so I'll say something to her in English <laughs> and then she'll reply in Japanese or vice versa yeah so we we definitely do that now. We just say, yeah, we did that too. Yeah. It's easy. You know, it just makes it easier. Um, yeah, I don't know. Plus, you know, I want to, I want to teach my kids English. So I feel like whenever they're around, I'm, I'm constantly trying 
to speak English and get them speaking English. Okay, yeah, that's what we're, we're, we're kind of working on that now. I'm trying to do the same thing too. We'll see how it works out though. Too early your, to tell now. Your boy is only one, but like, what what words can he can he say anything? Some kids start talking late. You know, does what's what's he, he doing? He's real cl- he's real close to mommy and daddy, but we're, we're we're that's about it. He's he's still in the just yelling a lot mode. Yeah, one I think what they just start like walking. Yeah, he just just started walking about a month ago, so he's he's we're, he's trying to master that now. And they don't cry at night as much, so it's no, it's a lot easier. That's great. Yeah, that's really good. He's trying to walk around, and just the cat is sleeping, and he, you know he walks around like kind of like Godzilla does, like boom, boom, boom. He just <laughs> he just steps on the cat hard every day. He gets a fight. <laughs> yeah, that's the sweet. Like one to two is is the sweet spot, and then you know you probably heard uh, the term terrible twos. Yeah, things can get a little bit rough. Not not too bad, but you know, um, definitely more challenging. You know, it's 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 challenging to manage a kid who has the complete opposite idea of what needs to be done right now. <laughs> like yes, you, I'll, cross, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Like, we're, we're we're actually going now, so let's let's go. And the kid's like, <laughs> "Nope, we're going to be here another hour." <laughs> <laughs> I, I pretend it doesn't exist till like it comes. That's what my wife does. She's like, "We're going goodbye." And she's like, "See you. You're going to miss mommy. You're going <laughs> to." Oh, anyway, kids. So um, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. I I did kind of like a quick survey of everything that you've done, and I would say that your podcast kind of clumped together into the following groups. One would be like you interview a teacher or a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. You provide tips about how to be a better teacher, um, tips for preparing to come to Japan, what to bring, what not to bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've got lesson plans, lesson plan, planning strategies. Uh, you got um, advice about dealing with, uh, maybe I shouldn't use the word shitty, but uh, a troubling uh, JTE. You've yes. got, uh, you've got, what is it? Uh, you've got advice about how to get around being used strictly as a tape recorder. That's all, you know, tips. Mm-hmm. You've got, kind of like break it down podcasts where you talk about the differences between high school, junior high school, elementary school, and whatnot. You've got, uh, what is it? You break down common mistakes that are made as an ALT. Um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. You manage expectations. That's a, that's another category, I think, that um, it's probably one of your most important ones. <laughs> a lot of ALTs who come to Japan um, have expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't. When I came here, I thought, I don't even know I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I just want to enjoy myself. But a lot of people will come here, and um, if things don't go the way they thought they were going to go, they get kind of uppity and, you know, a little bit pissed off. But um, you kind of give it some advice about how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be anything. Your salary, how many hours you got to be at school, how much control you have over lesson planning, but you know, managing expectations. You've got uh, advice about transitioning to a new career. You've got textbook analysis, and then you have the kind of one-offs. You know, uh, must do in Japan, silent classes, special needs classes. Mm-hmm. Of all of these sort of categories that you have, what what's your favorite? I guess favorite for me is the definitely the people that aren't ALTs anymore. Talking to those people, like so trying to. You know, of course, I have most of my stuff is about helping people be a better ALT. But also, I like to make people understand that you can do something else after being an ALT because that's important too if you want to enjoy Japan for the long term. Is this you transitioning to a new podcast, maybe Japan Insider? 
No, no, no. Well, you never know. <laughs> Ten years from now. But no, I think it's just a good kind of... It's good to show that you can do something after being an LT. Of course, there's most of my stuff is for ALTs, but it's good. I like to hear the stories of people that were an LT and then they became something else. And I, it's always interesting to hear about other people's, what they're doing in Japan, right? So, I mean, there's a million different people and they're doing a million different things. And it's cool to talk to every individual person and hear what they're doing, how they got there. You know, it's always interesting to hear the path of people in Japan, you know? Definitely. Uh, being down in Fukuoka, I would imagine that you have access to a lot of good shochu, Japanese spirits. Do you drink? Uh, yeah, I haven't, haven't actually drank in a, wa- a long time now, probably <laughs> more than more than a year. since Being but, a father, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used, to, I used to be an avid drinker, but I didn't shy away from the watering hole. But <laughs> now I kind of I haven't, I haven't drank in a while. I'm just pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good on the working now. <laughs> that's too bad. I mean, there's a lot of good shochu down there, so... That's yeah, a, I've been that's, through a few that's factories. a wasted year, if you ask me. I've been, I've been through a few <laughs> factories uh, when I, you know, a long time ago. Now I can't remember where they were, but yeah, I, I had I had my my fair share of the uh, sauce for sure. After becoming a father, I got to say I, I really don't get out that much anymore, drink anymore as well. But mm-hmm. um, living in Japan, it's 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 amazing. Like if you if you like sake, I, I'm not a big fan. There's there's a lot of it, a lot of a lot of good sake. If you like shochu. Especially down south, like the emo emo jochu, the mm-hmm. sweet uh, the potato yam shochu, yeah. amazing. Especially down where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about your worst experience ever as an ALT. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess I went through it um, in that one episode, but it really was just about the, this nightmare class that it just it was. Everything can go wrong went wrong and more. There's kids running out of the room. There's people crying. The JT's not there. <laughs> Everything that you can imagine happens, happens. The kids crying, kids fighting, blood. You know, just, it, was, it was a mess. <laughs> I mean, and I've had, like, similar situations like you. Sometimes your kids fight, whatever. You're junior high school. Kids are going to fight sometimes. But I've heard some worse than me, though. I've heard p- p- classes where people, like, start smoking in the class, and the teacher does, oh not, stop, the teacher does not stop them, that level. Kids smoking the class, wow. the teacher does not stop it. That's so got to be some inner city shit right there. Everyone that thinks you have a bad situation, just know there's, there is worse out there. Unless you're had kids smoking your class, of course. You might have the worst. But there is very bad situations out there's there. There's got to be one person out there that actually has the worst situation, though. And whoever <laughs> yeah. you are, I, f- I feel for you, buddy. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, my, my situation is common, though. I didn't have anything too bad. I've heard way worse horror stories. I've heard, you know, just people... Like jumping out the window, not not jumping out a high high window, but jumping out the window to run away from the class, and the police come to the school and stuff. <laughs> Fuck this thing with shit, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. Just know you don't have an interesting situation. You got to think on your feet. I've uh, I've had a lot of uh, good classes. I can't say I've had too many bad classes, but I've had some bad lunchtime experiences. Okay. <laughs> you're like sitting down with the kids, and you're hoping to have this magical moment where you get to talk to kids, and it's fun. Um, my worst experience in Japan, I think, was having lunch with this third grade junior high school kid who's kind of a dick, to be honest with you. And I never really talked to the guy at all. didn't really know much about him other than the fact that he, he kind of seemed like an asshole, you know, from a distance yeah. anyway. But I had to go to in, in his group uh, to have lunch that day. And we're sitting at the table and I'm like, you know, hey guys, how's it going? You know, um, trying to use the grammar points that, that they might know. <laughs> Yeah, and he just looks me like dead in the eyes, and he's like, "Go home." <laughs> and I go, not assuming that he had like a deeper meaning. Like I was just like, "What?" You know, I'm working right now. I can't can't really go home. And he's yeah. like, "But and then in Japanese, he's like, go back to America.'" And I was just like, "Whoa, dude!" Yeah, just trying to get a reaction out of you. 
I, yeah, yeah. Um, junior high school kids, you know. Actually, think, hey, let, let me try to give you a little advice, though. You, 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 are you assigned a group to the lunchroom, the lunch classes? It all depends. Uh, okay, it depends on the homeroom teacher. In the beginning of the school, you got to make sure you got to set set the boundaries that you don't want to be assigned. You know that's very important because you want you, to avoid these nightmare situations. But always make <laughs> it always use the reason of I want to go where who needs the most English help. You know. Sure. And then they'll let you. Go, they'll go wherever you want, and you can pick like, okay, this this group looks pretty cool. They want to talk. Then I'll eat there. Yeah, I mean, it just it depends on the homeroom teacher and how adamant they are that I I visit every single group in the room. There's there's teachers that are like that, but oh, yeah, yeah. If you can get out of that, yeah, definitely, sure. <laughs> I should say though, that's not my worst. Thinking of it, thinking about it now, that's not my worst experience in Japan. There was this junior high school kid on the baseball team who didn't seem particularly like intelligent in the sense that like of having good grades of doing well in school he didn't seem like a special needs kid but he just didn't seem particularly you know bright yeah and um i could tell that he wasn't really enjoying english class or anything like that and um he wasn't one of those kids that kind of um that you talk to in the halls like i would even go help out with um the baseball practice from time to time but he wasn't one of those kids that, that you connect with and he comes into the english room one day where i was hanging out and um, I'm like, hey, what's up? And immediately after saying, hey, what's up, he grabs my nuts and starts squeezing. Oh, God. And, um, yeah, it was like, I'm like, where's this going? I'm like, hey, you know, and then he just keeps squeezing harder. And I'm like, yamete, yamete. And he just keeps yeah. going. And I'm yeah, I'm screaming at this point, like, yamero, yamero. Yeah, yeah. And he's not. He's squeezing even harder. It's at this point where I feel like my testicles are about to explode. They're like, <laughs> instinctively i like make a fist and lift up to like i'm gonna yeah. you know <laughs> the shit's going down and then he just runs out of the room and i'm like <laughs> i'm like chasing him down the hall you know like and suddenly i'm fluent in like yakuza grade japanese <laughs> yeah um the teacher like brought him to me later and, and had him like you know apologize those are, those are the worst aren't they when the kids got apologized to you it's like all right what am i supposed to say here you know it's like, yeah i was generally just... traumatized and um really pissed when it happened but then when he came and apologized i was like you know all right just please don't do that again you know <laughs> yeah well i have one for the love of did... yeah. oh, that's holy I had that happen with one student that just kept hitting my head or something when I was sitting at a different group at lunch. He kept hitting my head, and I kept saying, you know, all right, stop, all right, stop. Oh, right, man. No, really stop. He wasn't hitting hard. It was like an elementary school just kid Just annoying, though. Yeah, so then, but the teacher, like, I told, I eventually tell the teacher afterwards, like, you know, I didn't want to tell the teacher during, just, I kept dealing with it and said, all right, this kid kept hitting my head, so just might want to talk to him. So then, after school, I get this, uh, James, could you please wait a little bit after school? And I was like, all right, well, I don't know what it is, but cool. Can you, can you tell me what it is? Like, well, a parent wants to talk to you. I was like, okay. Oh, wow. So wait, they, went, they, they went the, all the way brought, in that direction. They went all the way here. And I'm, I'm got to stay at school two hours late for this. Like, all right, I appreciate this, but it wasn't this big of a deal. I'd like to go home. <laughs> but I still had to stay. And had the, the, you know, the kid, of course, is crying at this point, bowing right. to me, saying sorry. But, I mean, the moment's gone. So I'm like, I'm already over it, way over it now. You know, it's like, all right, just don't do it again. All right, see you, you know. Yeah. But that was yeah. Uh, one of those situations that happened. Have you ever had, um, have you ever graded tests at junior high school? Like the Yeah, I have before, yeah. I remember this one time where I was, um, the teacher asked me to grade the test. The, well, specifically the part where they have to write like a five sentence thing in English. Mm-hmm. So he hands me this stack of papers and I go through all of the English compositions and I grade them. And then I give them back to him. And about two days later, this kid shows up in the English, no, I'm sorry, in the teacher's room at about 5 p.m. And he comes in and he's he's talking to the homeroom teacher and the homeroom teacher directs him to come to me. 
And so he comes to me and he like shows me his notebook, like the daily notebook that you have to turn in. Yeah. And, and inside the notebook, the teacher, the English teacher had assigned the five sentence composition thing that was going to be on the test as, as homework weeks before the test. And the JLT had miscorrected it. Like, like this kid had made these wacky sentences <laughs> and then the JLT correcting his wacky sentences had made grammatically incorrect sentences. Okay. And this kid memorized the grammatically incorrect sentences that his uh, English teacher had like written into his notebook. Yeah. And so on the test, he exactly sentence for sentence, word for word, the exact same thing that his English teacher had written into his notebook, put it on the test. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, you, you did a good job. You were, so full points. And I, that, <laughs> yeah, you have to at that point, you know. Which is yeah, not a big deal. So yeah. like, go. I, he gave me his test, and like all the all the spots that I had like corrected, like this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, with a red pen. I took the red pen and just put circles around them. Good job, yeah. good, you know. Every, so <laughs> yeah. so looking at his test paper, it was just like hash marks, hash mark, hash marks, and then circle, circle, circle everywhere. It looked really horrible. Gave it back to him. <laughs> the next day, five p.m., he comes in and he goes to the English teacher. And the English teacher waves him over to me, and he's crying. And I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? <laughs> and he's like, my father told me to tell you, mother, mother, this nay. I go, what? And he was like, mother, mother, this nay. And he's crying. And I'm like, uh, all right. I <laughs> know. <laughs> what do you do with that? Okay. <laughs> so his dad was just this total asshole, basically telling me, you know, like, you know, you suck. Basically, yeah. is what that you've got. You've got a lot to learn, buddy. You know, kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Oh God, it's horrible. Um, all right, let's get off the the negative. What's the, what's the best experience? And I don't just want to limit this to being an ALT in Japan. Yeah. And certainly, let's let's take the birth of your son off the table and okay, and your good. marriage off the table. What's the best experience you've ever had in Japan? I guess I'll say two. I mean, the first one is easy, but when I first got to Japan, I went to Tokyo the, the week after I, when I got here, and that was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, when you build up this kind of feeling of, wow, I'm going to be in Japan soon, and you've got to wait for eight months or whatever for your pl your flight to get here, mm -hmm. and you find, and you know, during those eight months, of course, you're like researching all Japanese stuff, you know, let me change my Facebook name to Hiragana, you know, and like be cool, you know, in the, <laughs> I'm Japanese all the way, you know. I never, I'm watching, never did that. I'm watching Ghibli movies every day and stuff, you know. I'm going crazy Japanese stuff, you know. And then I got to Tokyo. I was like, oh, my God, man, I'm really here. That was pretty That was pretty cool. Even though looking back, I realized how, like, you know, it was pretty dumb what I did for those eight months. But it was that was pretty cool. And it definitely lived up. It was one of those trips where you it, that place really lived up to the expectations that was exactly what I thought it would be. And it was more fun than I thought it would be. And that, that trip to Tokyo was pretty epic. And I'll, I'll never forget that. What did you After do the, in Tokyo, if I just, may? Just, like, going to karaoke and stuff that that and like japanese people in the next room came to our room all the stupid stuff yeah, that happens yeah, yeah. when you're a foreigner in japan you know yeah. and like but i didn't know yet that that it's a normal thing to happen so i was like wow japanese people are so cool they're so nice to everybody you know like yeah. of course they're just talking you know it's exciting to see a foreigner for some people you know and they want to join the party you know but yeah, yeah. 
at that time though, I didn't know this stuff. I said, wow, this is so awesome. It's so great. You know, talking to girls and wow, it's so awesome. It's so easy. You know, it's so fun. Did you ever get sucked into going to Rapongi and doing the, the sort of, uh, you know, like gas panic and all those gaijin bars in, in, <laughs> no, in no. Tokyo? I, I stayed away from that stuff pretty much. Cause I like, haven't, I still had fun with everything, just normal stuff, normal bars and stuff. But I mean, yeah. maybe get hit if it, if it was been two years later, maybe I would have went to the dark side. But um, yeah, yeah. after that honeymoon though, I guess one cool thing. Let's see. I would say when, and that's going to be sound stupid, but serious. When I started ALTinsider.com and I, and I worked hard as F. I don't know if, oh, yeah, you cuss it. I think it's okay to cuss oh, it's, on this. It, Yeah, hit it up, bro. I worked hard as fuck on these lesson plans. I worked, I don't know, thousands of hours probably. Over the whole year, I made these lesson plans as perfect as they could be. And when I first, when I sold my first one, I, that was another awesome moment, being totally honest. Because I was like, I worked a year on these things as hard as I could making the website myself doing all the setting all the crap myself and then it, someone bought it and then sent him like a message that it really helped him and that was pretty cool I'll never forget that I guess it, that didn't have to be Japan but I mean that still was one of the happiest moments after my kid in marriage of course but that was pretty epic for me it's it's um it's great. I mean, it's great when you can take all that hard work that you've done and commercialize it. But there's also a need for it. There's not a lot of good information. There's not a lot of good lessons, materials out there for teachers in Japan. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of stuff. The, Mediocre. The of, yeah, the shit, amount of good stuff really, is, so, is so is so thin. The amount of good stuff is very thin. Like, Englopedia is huge and awesome, and like every LT should know that site. And yet mediocre. But, you could use maybe two percent of it, really, without changing massive parts of the lessons. You know, right. and that's not that's not a knock on Englopedia.com. I love Englopedia.com. Yeah, save I mean, my, as, save a, me a as a teacher in Japan, it's essential. But like, I I would mostly just go there, look at what's available, maybe download a print or two, and then go. Okay, I can't use this, so modify yeah, that's, it, it's like, make it it's better, like a, upgrade yeah. it. It's like a starting point to your lesson. Like this is where I'm going to start with, and then change it to be better and more fun. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Well, now that you've been in Japan. For as long as you have, and now that you got a little bit more free time because you're not an ALT anymore, you're working on your own terms as a translator. How, and I know you're busy as a father, but like, how do you enjoy yourself now? Um, I guess I enjoy myself now. It's easy to say, but I mean, now that I have a, a when you have a child, it really does change what you think is fun. I mean, for fun for me before was after I finished work, I would just uh, sit with my sit, go my maybe watch a movie myself, you know, just to do simple things like that, like would make it fun. Like I went through, I think I went through a period where I, I thought I did everything Japan had to offer kind of. I did, I went like every weekend, let's go and hiking. I went to the, you know, let's go to the Fukuoka, let's go to a baseball game. Let's go to the, I did all that kind of stuff I thought, I thought, even though that was stupid thinking. But I thought I did a lot of stuff and I kind of went through a period of just like chill out time, you know, like I didn't go out as much and mm-hmm. I just enjoyed doing the simple things. And I'm kind of, and then kind of when the, I had my son, I kind of return back to that, but it is fun because I have a son now to do stuff with, you know, like yeah. doing all those things again is, is great with my son again, you know, like, yeah. if, you know, that kind, of, that kind of makes it fun again. Being, so I, being a parent definitely, it's just, um, it's like reprogramming your mind. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I mean, the miracle of life in and of itself is, is, is one thing, but then, you know, you're responsible for another being and, um, you know, from morning until the time you go to bed at night, uh, you're there taking care of your kids, being an educator, you know, teaching them how to be a human being, having fun with them, teaching them how to have fun. Yeah. Um, it's for me, it was this this change in perspective from having fun in Japan to having fun as a parent. It's a, it's a completely different thing. It's like life becomes normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I could agree. Like I, 
like I don't know, like for example, like you know, I don't know, picking picking strawberries. Like I did that many years ago myself in Japan. Like cool, you know, thing to do. But yeah. Now I, I do it again with my son. It's like what well, ten times as fun, you know, like you know, yeah, definitely that kind of stuff. It adds more fun. Yeah. Even though, of course, there's hard parts to being a parent, obviously. But yeah, changing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, we should talk a little bit about this because, like, I, I just interviewed a a doctor for the show. Uh, unfortunately, the first recording that I did with him couldn't be used but in that recording um he was talking about someday getting married and having kids and i go i go you know in japan traditionally uh fathers don't don't do much in terms of like child care and whatnot mm-hmm. are you going to change diapers and you know put oh, yeah, the kid but... to bed and do that stuff the doctor without hesitation was like no never. <laughs> yeah. my wife will do all that yeah how about you what do you, what do you... I, i'm, I'm, a, I, I, if, I'm a, if i'm awake i consider that my daddy time so i do but i'm awake not working my my working hours i do as much as i can change every diaper i can all that stuff i do as i do as much good as i can of course of course there's sometimes in the middle of the night where i'm sleeping when i hear him crying until my wife wakes up sleeping being the operative word but i do my best i do my best to wake up and as much as i can i do i do as much as i can i'll say that and it's a lot (laughs) so i've got problems with the the western notion of child care and the japanese notion of, of child care okay in the west i usually hear people say that like they um they rotate night duties so like mm-hmm. one night the the dad will do night duty and then the other night the mom will do night duty but my god i don't have i don't have milk producing breasts <laughs> yeah. so if my kid is crying in the middle of the night and the who recommends by the way that that a mother breastfeed two years at least if possible i mean yeah. i know some people lose milk production that that's you know you can't do anything about that but um you know for those first two years when a kid is screaming at night, they're usually screaming either because their diaper is full or because mm. they need some breast milk. Yeah. Now, as a dad, I don't mind changing a diaper, but I can't give a kid milk because I don't produce it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you that, you know, when it's bedtime, it's it's mom time. When it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then during the day, if you need me to do anything, I'm there for you. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's a good way to do it. I would say one other thing that I do that I think is a good – tip for other people for other parents out there it's something called princess day now it sounds princess stupid day. but it works it works princess you day. have a son so though is, right this is the son princess means the wife okay guys so this is what you do once a week oh, okay. or, in our case we do <laughs> twice a week once a week once or twice a week you when the kid wakes up you handle all the morning duties and let your wife stay in bed till 10 that's what we do. It's called nice. Princess Day. Nice. Twice a week you do that. It smooths everything over. I'm going to have to cut all of this out of the podcast because my wife listens <laughs> yeah. to it. But okay, keep going. Your wife will appreciate it <laughs> and then she'll appreciate appreciate you back hopefully. So, and also and then, you know, it just makes it makes it makes her appreciate. It makes gives her some time off, which is important too. Give it a try, guys. It sucks of course, but you get extra time with your son by yourself, with your kid by yourself, it's good. So, give it a try. Princess Day, guys. It's huge. It's going to be huge next year. Huge. I'm just thinking back to when my wife was pregnant and um like you know the birth of my first child in that first year this would have been like seven years ago Mm -hmm. and um i remember that in the late stages of the pregnancy we were just doing battle my wife and i and i was like reading up on all the pregnancy books and like how to be you know better at the at this how to support her better and what i Mm -hmm. found was that like um uh, estrogen and all the other f- female hor- hormones. I think there's some others like progesterone or what, what I'm not a doctor, but they, yeah. um, they're like 50 times higher, uh, than when a, when a girl is on her period during oh, okay. the, when the, when the child is born. So what I'm saying is like the ramp up to pregnancy. Yeah. 
is just uh, it's like PMS times fifty. Yeah. So um, I know that you're a very uh, sensitive and um, considerate uh, person just based on your podcasts. I would presume that you're, you're pretty good at being a husband and a father. But um, what, did you have any uh, speed bumps or anything like that like prior, prior to, the, to the birth? I know this uh, is all personal shit, but like, was, <laughs> yeah. it, was it tough for you? Yeah, I guess I can say there were some times when like, you see your person you love, your wife, go through kind of a personality change sometimes. I guess it's safe to say. Yeah, Everything like goes, the pregnant monster phase. I want yeah, pickles yeah. and ice cream, <laughs> goddammit. You know, the Incredible Hulk comes out sometimes, you know. But I, mean, I think it's like everyone goes through it. I mean, you learn to deal with it. But it's it's tough to see what she's going through because, you know, she doesn't want to be like that. That's important to remember, you know. She doesn't want to be so angry at you for forgetting to do something that doesn't really matter. Like, I don't know. What's Was this how Princess Day developed? Was it like Princess <laughs> Week or Princess Month or Princess <laughs> oh, right. Half a Year back then? I think because it started because it's kind of like – well, how we first actually I started was like when I was do started the freelance thing. I wanted like I tried to keep the schedule kind of like after that first month of like kind of okay, whoo, freelance, cool, don't do anything. After that period stopped, I got real. <laughs> I started took a like, shower. Oh, yeah, I had to <laughs> do real like okay, I wake up at eight and work until you know four or five, and then like you know, but just don't talk to me those times. That's I'm thinking <laughs> serious, you know. And that kind of was start. I think I went too hardcore that way. And then kind of Princess Day was kind of my way to like, okay, I was stupid. I'll, how about this? We'll do Princess Day twice a week. And then we, then we'll set up the afternoons will be the work time. And it kind of worked a lot smoother. So I'm happy I figured it out. But just, just I guess, back to your question, those times are going to happen. You'll find a way to deal with it. Help your wife as much as you can because it doesn't last forever, hopefully. Definitely. But, <laughs> I, I didn't even know that like what kind of hormones were coming my way. And so reading up <laughs> on it, I think knowing about it, knowing that, wow, you know, it's a ramp into PMS times 50, knowing that was, it allowed me to step back and try to help out um, at a distance and, and be supportive where I could to, to, to jump in, find my spots and, you know. Yeah, no, sometimes you got to get yelled at and, you know, it's not good. Sometimes you just got to get yelled at. Or just know? lose every <laughs> argument on purpose. Just like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, you're totally right you know I, I did i did put that hanger up the opposite way that was a big mistake uh, you know yeah. well anyway it's i'm glad that you made it through are you planning on having another child uh definitely definitely trying to have, trying to trying to work on that uh as we speak uh, not as we speak but uh no i'm just kidding <laughs> as, what, 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 as we speak yes i'm involved <laughs> in my first porno podcast yeah. yay no, but <laughs> Definitely interested in having more than one child someday if the, the miracle happens, yes. Are you guys doing the authority thing? That is like, did you take, did you move into your wife's parents' house and are you like continuing the farm or whatever? Like, are you doing that at all? Or are you living separately from the in-laws? And Oh, yeah, that's kind of, um, for me, I was I was surprised at that when that, my wife first kind of mentioned that. Usually, like, you go to your parents' house for that, like, month or three months or even longer sometimes. Right. That really surprised me. I was like, whoa, 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 I don't want to do that because I still got to do work at our house. House, you know right so where my you know my stuff is so that was kind of i was like well i was kind of against it at first like no we're not doing that but then i kind of eased up and said like okay if you want to go there for the first two weeks that, that's that's what we ended up doing like she went there for the first two weeks and i would visit there like uh three times a week usually it's the there. wife but she invited you as well oh yeah yeah she they i was it, she wanted me to be there too but of course okay I go there. Yeah, like so nine times out of ten it's just like the wife and the kid will go back to the jika, that is the family yeah. home, so that the, the mother-in-law can help, you know, change in diapers and basically teach her how to be a mom. Because no, let's face it, no matter how many books you read, it's not, you know, cut and dry. This is how yeah. you're a father. This is this is what you got to do to be a mother. So, you know, they go back to the jika and like the, the, the new mother can get hands-on training from the mother-in-law. 
Yeah, um, so at least I was lucky then. So she definitely wanted me to be part of that time too. So that was, I guess, I was lucky. <laughs> nice, but that was only for two weeks that she did that, and then two weeks, and then and she goes, and then she went back about once a month for a whole week again, just to kind of refresh. Like she doesn't, she doesn't have to worry about anything else, just being at her parents' house and taking care of the kids. Yeah. So that really helped too. I mean, this is a this is a major cultural difference between the West and Japan, and I I wouldn't think that in the West it's common for uh, a new mother to head back to her parents' house and, and live with her parents so that they can help her out taking care of the kid. Yeah. Well, also the big difference is you stay at the hospital so long. You know, in America, it's oh, yeah, like, definitely. you know, your baby comes out five minutes later, you're on the street. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. In here, they, she stayed at the hospital for a week. That was really, that was really nice. Yeah, definitely. I, and the, the opposite problem would be that, like, you, you've heard the horror stories about people um, not able to find a doctor when they're in labor in Japan. I know it's yeah, rather uncommon, yeah. but, like, it tends to be in the newspaper quite a bit here and there. I, I didn't have that problem. Yeah, I didn't either, thank God. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I guess my last question for you would be, what's on the horizon? Where do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, in five years, actually, I see myself back in the U.S. of A., Really? That's the plan now, yes. Yeah, so You've got an exit been, strategy. I got an exit strategy. It's not a good one, but we have an exit strategy. But actually, we've been. Our plan was before our son has to go to first grade, we will go back to America to to, to kind of start life there. And what do you and, plan to do in America? Uh, luckily, I've already asked all the translation companies about that, and they're totally fine with still me working when I'm in America. So that's going to work out okay. Hopefully, of course. For the <laughs> transition, anyway. But do you see yourself using your business degree to? Start anything up when you get back? Well, I mean, ALT Insider doesn't have to die when I go to America. You know, it still can even be, you know, I can find new people to interview there. I can still, I mean, I still know everything I, I do about being in ALT. I don't think that's going to stop. Um, four years from now, of course, things can change. And I, maybe I have really said everything I have to say about ALT. I don't think it's going to happen, though. There's always interesting people to interview and new things to say. But, um, you know, I don't know. Five years from now, it's a, it's a long time. Right now, I, it, right now, I could actually move to America tomorrow and keep everything going the same. So that kind of makes me feel... Good. I mean, of course, that could change. Everything could change, but um, that's the plan right now. Uh, we'll see if something changes along the way. But okay. five years, I'll be back in America. Okay. Maybe. Um, let me ask you a question about money. You're a business major. Okay. It probably comes natural to you. Um, <laughs> are you are you doing well with the blog and and uh, ALT Insider Podcast? Are you earning revenue enough to support it enough to potentially? I mean, obviously, you can't live off it because you're translating as well. Yeah. But how are um, you doing? I, I could, I'm doing, I, I would say like if every month was a beginning of a school year, uh-huh. I, could li- I, I could live off ALTinsider.com. Unfortunately, every month is not the beginning of a new school year where people need lesson plans. So that is not the case. Mm-hmm. But if, if uh, it could be a 12 month, <laughs> I could make that into a 12 month cycle, that would be great. But unfortunately, it's not like that. Um, but that, it definitely does keep, it does uh, create enough to make it worth my time for sure. And it definitely makes enough to support itself because, you know, there is cost in, involved with running a blog and podcast and all that stuff. Definitely. So that's going good. Um, and, you know, every every year I try to add some more things to help people that can hopefully be a product. Um, you know, the new thing, LT Insider Resume Review, just opened, just started last this week, actually. So Tell me a little bit about that because I saw it on your webpage, but I didn't actually click on it because I'm not currently looking for a job. But you want to <laughs> introduce yeah. that? Yeah. Um, just basically, just a way I was trying to, like, I already have a lot of things to help people that are LTs, paid and unpaid, 99% unpaid, 1% paid. Yeah. But I said, okay, how can I help? people that are not ALTs yet. You know, how can I help this, this big chunk of people that might be an audience that needs help? So then I said, okay, well, maybe I can help people find a job, you know? So then I really worked to find the best way to do that. You know, can I find people, you know, everyone wants the BOE position, right? So I thought if I can help people find a BOE direct hire position, that will be 
an awesome service, right? Mm -hmm. That turned out to be impossible because I called many VOEs asking, like, is there anyone I can talk to about, you know, the direct hire position? Of course, everyone has an ALT right now. I said, can you tell me when you're going to have an opening or when the opening and opens they were up? Like, could you please tell me? They just laughed at my face. They just, they just laughed. I mean, not laugh. They didn't laugh, but they said, no, we cannot do that. So that turned out to be wrong. But I said, okay, well, maybe if I can help people with making their resume awesome. Yeah. And, 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 it, turned, and it turned out like I asked a few people, of course, and I have done that in the past, help people with their statement of purpose for the JET program, help people make their resume be perfect. So I thought about doing that. I researched as much as I could about that. And I thought, okay, let's, do, let's try this and see if maybe you can spread out the revenue during the year so I can maybe do you know, less translation and more LTNs.com and help even more people. So I just started this week, so I'm really excited about it. Um, Are you, you getting know. a lot of pings on that? Are people approaching you already? Uh, it's definitely got some emails. I'm still, still waiting for that. We get one. We have one customer so far. I'll say that it was a great one. So this is one. brand new. Brand new. It just started on the uh, let's see, fifteenth. I just made the link made the link public. So yeah, we're five days into this one. It's brand new. Are you giving like complimentary massages down on the corner for the first you know ten subscribers or, or what? Of course, but I want to keep that. <laughs> I want to keep that private. Right. <laughs> no, no, it's going. It's going great. Um, it's it's going. I mean, get get some hits. We'll see. I mean, it's just if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But right now, I think. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I guess I can say that. I worked very hard on this one, too. It took me way longer than I thought. Everything, everything online, when you think you have an idea, add, it's going to take four times as long as you think. Just, just know that if you want to make an online business. I'll say that. That's, that's a lasting uh, hint for everyone out there. <laughs> so when people, when they want to use this service, they, uh, they email you or they go, mm-hmm. they go through the link, obviously, on your website. Yeah. What, what, what is your website, by the way? ALTinsiderResumeReview.com. I know it's pretty long, but it says everything it needs to say. But if you go to AL ins- sorry, ALTinsider.com, there's a link to it there, right? Yeah, there's a link right there on the top and on the side, I believe. But And so basically yeah. they submit their resume to you or their uh, statement of purpose or whatever, and then you kind of go through that and edit it and say, this, this probably isn't the best way to go about this. You should do this. You should do that. Yeah. Uh, really, it's like... Most people's resume, not most, but when I worked at a dispatch company, I would also help with the kind of hiring for a year or two, uh-huh. a year and a half or something. But I saw a lot of resumes, and not a large percentage of them had very small errors that means that they would not get hired. And it's so easy to fix those. So I even have a, I have, you know, I have different tiers of things we do, but one is just an editing tier. So like me and someone, and someone else, my editor that does editing for my website, professional editor, he checks over it, makes sure there's no no errors, sends it back to you. That, and that's that is such a simple step that people skip sometimes when they're making resumes, and it just disqualifies you in a second. You know, it's just so simple. Don't let that happen. You know. And then of course we have higher tiers of you know giving you giving your resume more purpose. A big mistake people make with their statement of purpose is say like, I love Japan so much. I love Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I've loved Japan for seven years. I'm the perfect jet candidate. They're like out. But, <laughs> yeah, but they forget that. You're, you're trying to prove why you're a good teacher and why you'll be good for their company, right. not why you're great for Japan, right? right. And that, a lot of people forget that, and we kind of steer you in the right direction in that way, too. Um, and it's me, it's me, it's a, my editor, and one guy that is still working as an ALT as a hiring director, so kind of the perfect, well, not, I shouldn't say perfect, but a good team to help you make your resume be exactly what people want to see. Because I think, you know, don't if you wanna, really want to get to Japan, right, you want to, you know, don't make little mistakes make you not be able to get there, right? <laughs> right, definitely. But we'll see how it goes. It's 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 brand new. I'm pretty excited about it, and uh, hopefully it turns into something good. Okay. Well, um, I guess I do have one more question or sure. thing to ask of you, and that's that um, you've got so much information 
on your website. You've got so much information on the podcast. If you were going to distill it into like uh, definitely do this as an ALT and definitely don't do that as an ALT. Okay. Like one big piece of advice you can give ALTs in Japan or ALTs coming to Japan and a definite steer clear of, of this, what would it be? I would say for do is easy, but do what allows you to be a great LT by having fun too. You know, everyone can be a great LT, but then not have fun while they're doing it. Some people work extremely hard lesson playing for hours to make a perfect lesson. Then they're not having any fun, even though the class is, you know, effective as, uh, as you know, in the term that the, the company wants from you. But make, put, make fun your priority as an ALT and you will be a great ALT, I promise you. Okay. Um, as, as the don't, don't worry I can't say how can I second I how can I word this? Don't, don't worry. <laughs> be yeah. happy. Don't do don't do things because you think <laughs> this is gonna be like the worst worded <laughs> answer ever. I'll translate it for you. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Don't do things you think make you a good ALT. Just worry about having fun, you know? Don't do things because your your teacher tells you and that means it's the best thing to do. That's not always the case, right? Your teacher's gonna give you some stupid stupid things to do, some stupid games, some stupid activities. You don't have to do those. Take what they give you. In other words, uh, to in order to achieve your goal of having fun, take risks? I guess that's a good simplest way to say it. I should have said that in the beginning. Don't necessarily just follow what people are telling you to do. Follow your exactly. heart and take risks if need be in order to create fun and have fun in your job. Exactly. Make make being an LT fun and you have a great time in Japan if you aren't already, of course. All right. Well, that's a wrap, I guess. Could you uh, plug your stuff one last time? I know you're, you're operating a business here, so please tell everybody how they can find out about you, your webpage, your blog, all the things that you're doing. I'll make it uh, ALTinsider.com I'll keep it short ALTinsider.com is where you can find everything of course Twitter and Facebook you can find all that stuff ALTinsider.com is, is where you want to go I'll keep it short for you guys so you're doing the Twitter as well of course doing the twits <laughs> alright well James it was a pleasure to have you on the show <laughs> I really appreciate it yeah it was great to be on here we talked for that went fast. My, my podcasts are usually half an hour, and this one felt like half an hour, so I, hopefully that's good. This felt really fast to me. I, I'll sometimes record two to three hours before you know I close it, so um, it was good. I mean, you obviously, you're a podcaster, so you know what you're doing, so I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for that's coming. Debat- that's, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Well, thanks very much. Bye-bye. See ya.